Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf here going solo today to break down the Knicks 113 to 105 loss to the Lakers over the weekend. All winning streaks must come to an end, but don't worry. No matter what someone might have said online, the Knicks have not been figured out and things are still looking, looking up for this team in the end. So I'll get into some of the reasons why that's still the case and a big development over the weekend as well that I haven't gotten a chance to talk about yet. The Knicks and Clutch Sports have sort of buried the hatchet, so I'll get into what that means for the Knicks as the trade deadline approaches next on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. LinkedIn Jobs is today's sponsor, and LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked on MBA. That's LinkedIn.com slash locked on MBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. And I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out in your favorite podcast platform. Or taking insights and sounds on YouTube. We appreciate you making us a part of your daily routine. Make sure you hit that notification bell on YouTube or the auto download function on your favorite podcast app so you never miss an episode. Because I feel like this week there's going to be an extra episode at some point or another with the trade deadline coming up on Thursday. So you definitely don't want to miss that. I'm Alex Wolf, I'm editor in chief of Knicks site, The Strickland, which you can find at the Strick.land. And your New York Knicks finally lost. Finally happened. Uh, nine game win streak snapped by the Lakers on Saturday, 113 to 105. And look, all win streaks have to come to an end eventually. Uh, you know, it's it's just the way that the game goes during the regular season. There's a reason why most of the time teams don't win nine, 10 games in a row. Uh, and that's because it's it's pretty impressive. And the Knicks just had a really impressive stretch of 10 games, just happened to lose the last one. Uh, but yeah, it's it was an interesting game here with the Knicks versus the Lakers, you know, the Knicks were in control for a large part of this game. And then the wheels kind of came off late in the fourth quarter. They were held scoreless for a long stretch in the fourth quarter. Uh, they found the Lakers found sort of a way to contain Brunson, which it, you know, has led some people to like panicking online. Being, oh my God, teams figured out Brunson, blah, blah, blah. I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think that, what really happened here was that the Knicks were playing well above where they should have the last three games prior to this one with all the injuries that they had suffered and, you know, were somehow still winning without without OG, without Julius Randle, without Quentin Grimes. And, you know, it finally just caught up to them of, okay, yeah, uh, you know, we're, we're a little shorthanded right now. And the Lakers had been, you know, had LeBron James and Anthony Davis both come back in this game and, and you know, looked fully revitalized and healthy and everything else and had a really good game ultimately like on defense out of Torian Prince out of Austin Reeves down the stretch of this game covering Brunson uh it was just sort of a perfect storm where the Knicks ran into a team that you know got healthy for this game and the Knicks still were not healthy yet and you know you saw how it went uh but I do think this game did prove that the Knicks definitely need another guy that's more comfortable creating uh having Randall probably would have alleviated that in this game if they had had him. I think they would have had more than enough playmaking then, and he would have drawn a lot of defensive attention, gotten doubles, which could have let you know Brunson just kind of serve as a spot-up guy for parts of this game. Uh, certainly would have made it so that Brunson and Neff play like 45 minutes 
in this game. Uh, so, you know, it's, it is what it is. You know, they, they needed another guy in this game. Normally they have that guy in Randall, but I still think this game proved that it would be really helpful to have another guy that can create if you could get that guy prior to the trade deadline and just add another person on this roster that can just kind of have the ball in their hands, can break down a defender off the dribble, can get inside, can kick it out to shooters, can do all that good stuff. So, you know, we're headed for a pretty super, pretty important trade deadline here for the rest of the season for the Knicks, I think, uh, and possibly for seasons to come. You know, if they get a guy like a Brogdon or like a Clarkson or, or even a Murray that, you know, have uh, multiple years left on their contract or at least one more year left on their contract. This is a, you know, a trade deadline where they could potentially get someone a la Josh Hart last year where it's like, okay, this guy's definitely going to help for this season, but probably will help in future seasons too. Um, I got to give props to Anthony Davis too. And in, in regards to just this game, I thought his defense was as just as good as it can be. I mean, it was a peak form. Uh, I, I put, I think he put a lot of fear into the Knicks in this game about going inside about, you know, it, whether they were allowed to be inside or not. And Davis basically said, no, like the pain is off limits today. That's a big problem for the Knicks because they do a lot of their damage in the paint. Uh, they do a lot of their damage either finishing in there or drawing fouls or whatever. And that's kind of what keeps teams honest about their three-point shooting. That's just like the modern game. So we've seen this with the Knicks a lot because this is how the Knicks, you know, dictate games a lot of the time where, you know, if you can wall off the paint and take that option away, then you force a team to just beat you from three, basically, or to start taking mid-range shots and stuff. And then that can lead to a significant advantage. And the Lakers just in this game had that advantage because Anthony Davis just played a phenomenal, phenomenal defensive game. It was it hit a certain point where he struck so much fear in the Knicks by blocking their shots early that he almost had like a like a like a lockdown corner in football effect where it was like the Knicks just kind of decided, well, we can't even go in there anymore uh, because he just, you know, he's got this thing so locked down that there's no way that we're going to be able to score uh, in this particular game. So, you know, props to him, but also props to Jalen Brunson. Look, ultimately for how like annoying the end of the game was with how well the Lakers defended him still ends up with 36 points, 10 assists, six rebounds, 15 of 31 shooting. Uh, but Lakers, the Lakers kind of did, pull out the most effective strategy of defending Brunson yet, which was they had Torian Prince covering him at the point of attack and then had Austin Reeves coming over and hounding him in, on doubles. And that just kind of created a situation where then the ball was often finding its way to Josh Hart and Josh Hart was not quite sure what to do with it. He definitely did not feel confident in his ability to shoot to three in this game. So that kind of reared its ugly head. and then could get all the way inside, but I'll, I'll talk more about him in a second. But uh, Brunson just kind of, you know, he was forced to to get rid of the ball. Like they were doubling him in such a way and so aggressively at the point of attack that it wasn't like sometimes where he'll drive and then they double late, uh, which he could still sort of shimmy his way out of and get a mid-range shot or whatever. It was more like, hey, we're going to double you all the way out to the perimeter and we know that you don't have the length to just like jack a three up over a bunch of defenders without getting a step back. So that's how we're going to contain you. Uh, but inside too, you know, if you, if he would manage to drive inside, there was hands everywhere all around him. It was forcing him into really tough passes. And the Lakers basically sold out and said, Hey, like we'll make sure that anyone but Jalen Brunson beats us. If someone's going to beat us and 
nobody else was able to do it. Um, especially, like I said, as much as I hate to pick on the guy, Josh Hart had had some serious issues uh, when the ball would get to him. And then also, like, Brunson got held to, quote-unquote, 11 points, four of nine shooting in the fourth, only three free throws. But I think it was the problem was less about him. Like, he got his shots when he was able to. Uh, it was more about not being able to escape the the good healthy and then just other players not being able to capitalize when he was actually able to escape that good healthy. Um, you know, there, Brunson still, like, for everything in this game, was not, like, turning over the ball a ton. He ended up with only only three turnovers to 10 assists in this game. So, I mean, it was, it was still a very efficient game, and, like, he was playing smart. It was just it, they made everything – like five times more difficult on him and less difficult on others. And and the others weren't able to take advantage. But I mean, I was seeing a lot of like panic online after this game, people being like, Oh, this is like the blueprint of how to beat the Knicks. Like, Oh, this team figured out the Knicks, the rest of the league is going to be taking notes, blah, blah, blah. I mean, sure. Maybe with this exact personnel, but this isn't the best version of the Knicks or even close. I mean, this is like, this is Jalen Brunson and playing with a lot of guys that, you know, Presh Sachua getting 43 minutes, like if the Knicks reach their ideal form by the end of the year, he'll be playing 10 to 15 minutes, you know, if that, um, you know, you won't have, you won't have Josh Hart, you know, needing to play whatever he ended up playing, like 40, 40, uh, 41 and a half minutes and DiVincenzo playing 40. I mean, these guys, you know, they had to play an eight man rotation and the largest minutes load off the bench was deuce with about 20 minutes. That's not going to happen most of the time, you know, and, and it was effectively a seven man rotation because Malachi Flynn only played three minutes. Like, you know, it's a team coming off a pretty tough stretch. It was a lot of games this past week. Uh, I think they had four games over the past seven days. They get a nice little rest going into this game in Memphis. Like, you know, was, there was a lot of factors that led into, I think the Knicks playing the way that they did in this one. And, you know, hopefully you get OG back soon. Hopefully Grimes comes back soon. Randall, obviously, we know is going to be out for a bit. Hopefully you get a talent infusion at the trade deadline uh, using Evan Fournier. Maybe it's Quentin Grimes needs to be involved in that, depending on who you're going after. But you're going to get, you know, a good high-minute rotation player, hopefully, that can come off the bench and give you a lot of good minutes and some good creation and stuff. So I'm really not worried about it. Like, I don't think that there is too many scenarios this year where in close games that matter, Brunson is going to be sitting there like getting double teamed and not having someone else on the floor with him that can punish the defense in response to that. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm not super worried about this. I don't think that some blueprint was figured out, you know, we'll see how it goes in the next few games and see if other teams are able to do this. But I, I don't think that that's the case. And I, I think the Lakers were just specifically equipped to make this work, especially with how good Anthony Davis was playing, which kind of mitigated like, when Brunson was able to beat that double or was able to beat his his man-on-man -man coverage, he just wasn't able to do what he wanted on the inside thanks to Davis. I don't think that's going to be the case against every team going forward or even most teams going forward because Anthony Davis is like a one-of-one one when he's at his best defending. So anyway, uh, I want to talk about Dante DiVincenzo next, who had another really good game, is really putting up a lot of volume from three. Talk about some of the other players in this game. And then get into some pretty big news for the Knicks. Uh, Leon Rose and Rich Paul of Clutch Sports, famously 
one of LeBron's best friends and and LeBron's agent and you know runs one of the biggest agencies in sports now. They had to sit down, squash whatever beef they have, which could potentially open things up for the Knicks going forward in this trade deadline. Uh, so I'll get into that in just a minute as well. But first, I want to let everybody know about our good friends over at LinkedIn. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And that's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. And I've never really been in a position to hire for a job, but I've certainly been looking for jobs at times. And LinkedIn was always my favorite place to go. And every time that I ever find myself looking for a job, it's always the first place I go. It's they do such a good job of putting somehow, I don't know if it's their algorithm or what, but compared to all the other sites, it was always jobs that I looked at and said, man, this sounds awesome. Like this sounds like a perfect fit for me, seamless fit with my skill set, which is not something you could say about most other places. That's because LinkedIn isn't just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. And it gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive. And hiring is easy when you have that many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. And LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MBA. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. This next segment is brought to us by our sponsor, BetterHelp. Sometimes we all need the opportunity to get something off our chest, big or small. Certain things can really start to get to you. It's important to let that out, especially to someone who's unbiased in your life. So today I want to say how I really feel about something. You might even be thinking about the same thing this week. And for me, look, this might seem silly, but there's no silly thing as far as uh, creating anxiety or, or nervousness or whatever. It's the trade deadline this week. It's a big week. And especially from my perspective, uh, having to kind of be on edge, on call all week, waiting for big news to drop, can be it can be anxiety inducing. And, you know, it's a busy time of year for those of us that are making content about the Knicks and whatever. So, you know, it's it's tough. There's there's certain things that, you know, even as fun as uh, commentating on the Knicks can be, it, it can be stressful sometimes. And sometimes it's helpful to be able to talk to someone about even the little things that are that are making you feel stressed out. So therapy can be different for everyone. Most of us have bigger problems than our favorite sports team or content involving it. And it's important to get things off your chest every once in a while. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be flexible and suited to your schedule. So visit betterhelp.com slash locked on MBA to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash locked on MBA. All right, and I'm back in to keep talking through this big Knicks loss, unfortunately, against the Lakers on national TV. Wasn't super fun. Granted, I say big Knicks loss. They ultimately only lost by eight, which I think just further underscores that like this team is so scrappy. They just, even in a game where it was like, man, they kind of got outclassed down the stretch there. Only lost by eight points. It really was. And they were in it till pretty much the last like minute or, or so. You know, it seemed like they had the door kind of open there right up until the end. 
And part of the reason that they were able to do that was Dante DiVincenzo, 26 points, six rebounds, four assists, 10 of 22 field goals, uh, six of 16 from three point range. So, I mean, he's just stepping up huge for this team right now with all the injuries and everything. And he's just been putting up an insane amount of three point shots. And we saw previously, you know, he's, he's had some days where it's, it's been going really well for him. Other days where he shot a pretty low percentage, this, this game just kind of shoots right around like 37%. I think six of 16 comes out to, which is great. Cause the thing is, is that a lot of the value of being able to put up tons of threes like that and being a credible threat to do it is that no matter if you make them or miss them, you're going to be creating a situation where every time the ball touches your hands, the other team feels the need to get someone out on you. And if you have pretty good instincts like DiVincenzo does, then you're able to still kind of like look around the perimeter for your teammates or skip a quick pass inside or whatever the case may be when you're getting all that attention. And so, I mean, he he was definitely, you know, I all that is to say he was part of the team still needing some more playmaking down the stretch. Like he's not, you know, you get him the ball on the perimeter and if he's got a defender pretty well locked into him, he's not going to be able to do a ton off the dribble to kind of punish them. You know, if he if he gets a guy that's tilted and is coming out on a closeout, he could put the ball on the floor and drive inside and do what he wants there. But again, Anthony Davis was such a presence in this game that that right down the stretch, like in the fourth quarter, the Knicks really didn't drive inside all that much because none of them felt particularly confident about their ability to finish in there. Uh, and DiVincenzo is part of that. But he was he was forced into some tough looks. You know, the the Lakers were also sort of making sure to keep someone glued to him even when they were doubling Brunson, which again, created those scenarios where Josh Hart was getting the ball a lot. Um, so that was smart as well. You know, they picked the right guy to glue a defender to while they were also doubling Brunson because they were pretty much the two guys that could hurt you in this game. Like there was not, unfortunately not a ton of offense available for the Knicks from pretty much anyone else in this game other than those two guys. So uh, it was just smart the way that they played him uh, in an ideal world though. You know, if the Knicks were full strength, again, this is why I don't think they've been like figured out. DiVincenzo's your fourth option out there after Brunson, Randall, Ananobi. Then, you know, it'd be DiVincenzo would be the, the fourth option out there. Even once just OG comes back, if he turns into the third option, that's way more dangerous than the situation that we've been seeing for the last few games. But yeah, all in all, I think if he can keep this level of play up once teams at full strength, and then the Knicks add another creator by the deadline. We'll, they'll be in really, really good shape because he's really scoring like an elite spot up guy now and is starting to prove that he can just have like crazy, crazy three point usage, which is going to be useful to his team the rest of the regular season and also in the playoffs. Because, you know, as we saw, even with Quentin Grimes last year, even though he wasn't shooting that well in the playoffs, if you just have someone that the other team respects from three in the playoffs, that you can just kind of feed those looks and keep the spacing good you know just so that the other team is always saying hey we have to keep someone out on the perimeter at least on this guy then you're doing your team a favor so uh, hopefully they'll have that with not just DiVincenzo but also with OG and potentially with whoever they pick up at the deadline and obviously Brunson is always demands attention around the three-point line so this is a really good development I think for the Knicks that DiVincenzo is kind of taking this step right now uh then we had uh, I mean the rest of the team not not the best performances, so I'm going to just give a few brief notes on each. Press the Chua, 10 points, 8 rebounds, shot 4 of 11 from the field. Uh, this is, <laughs> I hope this doesn't come across as too mean, but you're, I think we're just going to kind of have to accept that he's going to have some nights where he's just like, uh, 
he's Nerland's Noel-esque, but with a little bit of a handle and enough confidence to take a three. Uh, but, you know, he's he's got some touch, touch issues around the rim. Um, you know, he's he's definitely not a great shooter either. But, you know, he's going to have some games where he's going to shoot like 8 of 10. He's going to have some where he's going to, like this one, shoot 4 of 11. But the other stuff that he's giving you with the rebounding, the defense, everything else has been well worth it lately. So I'm not complaining. I'm just saying, like, I don't, I don't think he's like a, a superstar in the waiting here or anything. He's just he's a good player, though. Uh, Isaiah Hartenstein ends with six points, 15 rebounds, two blocks, two and nine shooting. That was uncharacteristic for him. And he was held back a little bit by foul trouble. And then Anthony Davis made his life really uncomfortable inside. I mean, he was he just did not look himself. I mean, even his floaters and stuff, AD just had him smothered. And it, it really led to his his attempts not looking nearly as confident as they normally do. Uh, Hartenstein's kind of got the stuff in his bag that like he knows he can hit that little like baby hook that he hits the um you know the the floater slash runner and then you know he'll get inside obviously and finish layups off offensive rebounds and stuff like that a lot of that was off the table because ad just really made his life uncomfortable and he just was not able to get into quite the rhythm you would hope thanks to the the foul trouble unfortunately but still he he was a beast rebounding the ball i mean he normally will not get in foul trouble so i'm not worried about that going forward um, just kind of an off game for him. A little bit of an off game for everyone not named Brunson in this game, if we're being honest. And well, and not named DiVincenzo. I think DiVincenzo had a good game as well, but just kind of an off game in general because all the guys that normally kind of make their living on the inside for the Knicks were not able to really do that with how well the Lakers were playing on the interior. Uh, which brings me to Josh Hart, too. He ends with 12 points, 11 boards, four assists, only shot five of 16, though, and two of six from three. And again, I think. Anthony Davis was one of the biggest detriments to him in this game because down the stretch when things really fell apart for the Knicks, like Hart would get it in space on the three-point line, and the Lakers were giving him everything but the rim at that point. They were saying, here's the three, here's the mid-range, we're covering all your teammates around you, but just know if you try to go all the way inside, Anthony Davis is going to be there. And we kind of, you know, you can see that in Hart as things were progressing, like, he would get the ball and be wide open, survey it, maybe take a dribble inside the three-point line, and then just kind of be like, Ugh, I don't quite know what to do here. It resulted in some mid-range shots that didn't look great. Uh, it resulted in some threes that he missed uh, when he felt confident enough to take it. But again, you know, he didn't really look the most confident taking the three, especially late in this game once he kind of knew that he was didn't really have it going and then wasn't able to kind of like do one of his greatest strengths, which is, if he gets in that situation normally and it's not like Anthony Davis on the inside that is playing like an absolute demon, he'll drive inside and, you know, kick it back out to a shooter or kick it to the corner or whatever. But he wasn't really able to do that in this game, just thanks to how good Anthony Davis was playing. So um, not the best game for Hart, but he's been playing really good lately. This was kind of just like, again, a team kind of picking on him, but having the ability to back it up with having a defensive center as good as Anthony Davis on the inside. So I think that was kind of just the main uh, problem here for the Knicks as, as it pertained to Hart, but, you know, not something that we're going to see all the time. Uh, anyway, I want to talk now a little trade deadline primer in the sense that there was news that broke over the weekend that I haven't really gotten to talk about yet that the Knicks uh, had a sit down, or I should say Leon Rose, I guess, had a sit down with Rich Paul of clutch sports, which is huge for the Knicks going into this trade deadline. So I want to get into that in just a sec, right after I let you all know about our friends over at FanDuel. 
and happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. And the food thing resonates with me. That's always my favorite part of the Super Bowl. Uh, me and my friends tend to have sort of like a cook-off uh, where we'll, we'll all bring snacks potluck style. And then, I mean, nobody really you know, goes through and, and like judges it and gives scores or anything, but you could tell by whose stuff gets eaten the most, whose, whose stuff was the bigger hit. My uh, cheeseburger dip has always been a big hit and is pretty much always empty by the end of the day. So and that's always one of my victories, but I also want to get some victories on FanDuel this Super Bowl. And the thing that I keep going back to is Travis Kelsey for Super Bowl MVP. Last I checked, it was still at plus 1700. Uh, so I don't know if that's changed or not, but I don't know. He had a really good championship game, and I think if he replicates that, he'll probably win Super Bowl MVP because, uh, like, the league certainly will be pushing for that because you know they want to get Taylor Swift up on that stage. Because uh, contrary to popular belief, she is not on NFL TV that much. It's like two minutes of a three and a half hour broadcast. They'll maybe show her reacting to something. One of the most famous people on the planet, whatever. Anyway, FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W or two or three. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. So new customers join today, and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right, and I'm back in and talking not about the game anymore. So goodbye, Lakers game. It's nice knowing you. Let's never talk about that again. Let's instead talk about some kind of big news prior to the trade deadline here. So Clutch, uh, Clutch Sports, which is Rich Paul's agency, which is one of LeBron James's oldest friends and you know, obviously an agency that LeBron is very involved in. But they and the Knicks have apparently buried the hatchet over whatever issues they had related to clutch players playing for the Knicks. So this report came from Stefan Bondi, the New York Post, uh, before the weekend. And he said, Agent Rich Paul met with team president Leon Rose on Friday. A source told the Post and, quote, things were hashed out during the sit-down. And then Bondi also went on to note that Paul's client list includes DeJounte Murray, Zach Levine, LeBron, Malcolm Brogdon, Anthony Davis, Draymond Green, Trey Young, Tyrese Maxey, De'Aaron Fox, Fred Van Vliet, Jordan Clarkson, Darius Garland, Jeremy Grant, and Colin Sexton. So uh, if you were like keeping track there, that's a lot of names that have been linked to the Knicks lately, particularly like DeJounte Murray, um, Malcolm Brogdon for sure been linked to the Knicks lately, uh, Jordan Clarkson, Colin Sexton. So like, a lot of guys that the Knicks could potentially be looking at at the trade deadline. So what does this mean in terms of the trade deadline? It could mean everything now, considering presumably Rich Paul won't be like actively opposed to one of his guys going to the Knicks, which has kind of seemed to be the case in the past and put up some roadblocks towards getting deals done for clutch guys, which is why there's, if I'm not mistaken, no clutch guys on the Knicks roster at the moment, mostly CAA clients. Um, but you know, some some guys from that are represented by other, you know, smaller agencies, but CAA, Creative Artists Agency, and Clutch are the two biggest ones, two biggest players in the NBA as far as top-level talent. And the Knicks have pretty much been getting their top-level talent from CAA to this point. Um, there, we've seen in the past, for example, Zach Levine being 
linked to the Knicks, and then ultimately, you know, they're being reporting out there of like, well, you know, we don't want him on the Knicks because you know he's he's a you know on, a, that's a CAA organization. We're a clutch, you know, whatever, blah blah blah. And so th this has definitely come up in the past as far as um, you know potentially limiting the moves that the Knicks can make. So if some of these guys are now on the table, this sets the stage for an interesting trade deadline. Now, I mean, there was already talk that the Knicks were involved in a lot of those guys listed above, but like, for example, Malcolm Brogdon, I think if, if this was the roadblock to potentially getting Brogdon on the Knicks, then that's huge because he's still doing really well in Portland. He's shooting slightly worse than last year, but still efficient. He's still shooting really well from three on volume over 40%. He's dishing more assists than last year by almost two. Uh, so, you know, you could maybe attribute that a little bit to being on a rebuilding team and, you know, all that comes with that. But I, I, I think that's encouraging because the Knicks need the playmaking right now and they need that, you know, the extra person to be able to break down a defense and, you know, create those assists for teammates. Uh, unfortunately to me, just because of the fact that he's, he seems so easygoing, he seems, you know, he's good on and off the ball. He does not demand a ton of usage. Um, you know, all that stuff. I think he's one of the most likely guys to have a bidding war for his services going into the trade deadline. So that might drive the price up too much for the Knicks and be sort of the market setting deal for his class of player. Uh, if that's the case, that would be a shame. But if the Knicks can get him, I definitely think they need to go for it because I still think, I think he is probably the most perfect fit. Uh, at least if the Knicks want to just kind of add to what they have right now and keep the dynamics pretty much the same. Brogdon, I think, is the, the perfect guy to add for that. Um, Clarkson, Jordan Clarkson, on the other hand, you know, another clutch client that maybe the Knicks will be looking at more. He's having one of the worst efficiency seasons of his career, if not the worst. He's shooting easily the worst he's ever shot from three, which is 29% on pretty high volume. So you don't love to see that. Uh, Danny Ainge will probably hold him up on a pedestal still, though. You know, he's a former Sixth Man of the Year award winner. He's on a more affordable contract the next two years after this one. Uh, so, you know, Angel will probably be like, well, you know, you're still getting a good player, you know, whatever. Like I want like two, two and a half first round picks, you know, I want like two first round picks and a swap or something like, cause he always holds everything to super high standards. Uh, so I guess it will depend on the market and maybe, maybe Brogdon sets that market. And then Ainge says yes or no, just based off what the, you know, what the market gets set at, uh, for him there. But I guess we'll see there. I, I would say that's likewise for Colin Sexton too, uh, but probably to a greater extent because Sexton has kind of been a big part of the Jazz turning things around and turning into more of a play-in team this year rather than a lottery team. Uh, once they put him in the starting lineup, they made some pretty big strides. So I would think the Angel put him up probably on even more of a pedestal than he would Clarkson as far as potential trades. Uh, but I also don't think he can roll out DeJounte Murray now either. I think he's the guy that's had the most smoke specifically about Nick's interest, even if it's like roughly a month old, I was looking to see what the most recent uh, thing about Murray and the Knicks was. And it was from Mike Scotto, uh, like three weeks ago, two, two and a half weeks ago. I don't know how exactly how long, but it was, it was a few weeks ago where it was basically noted like, yeah, things have cooled off a little bit with the Knicks and Murray because they're kind of balking at the, the asking price from the Hawks. Uh, apparently, you know, they were offering Grimes, Fournier, and a first-round pick, and the Hawks were trying to push for a second first-round pick, and the Knicks were balking at that. 
but we've seen that like the other best deal is from the Lakers, presumably, which is like D'Angelo Russell, a first round pick and stuff. Uh, I don't know what else. So if the Knicks can fill that out with some second round picks or something to make their offer more appealing, like they have the Jazz's second round pick this year, which could maybe be appealing. Um, you know, they have a bunch of seconds going forward still, uh, some more desirable than others. So maybe that's a deal that they look to still make. Uh, you know, obviously that's more of a swing and that's more of a volatile fit where, you know, Murray is more of like a, a guy that needs the ball in his hands. He's got some Russell Westbrook to his game in that way. Although he is shooting pretty well on spot ups this year. He's just not taking a, a ton of them. Uh, but he is shooting spot up threes. All right. So if he kind of like can get worked into a system, maybe he works out, but you know, he, he's the guy that's had, there was a whole story specifically written. I think it was by Bondi also, uh, who seems to be pretty plugged in with the clutch side of things. But uh, there was like a whole story written about how, how Murray, you know, was a target for the Knicks, but they might not be able to get something done because of the relationship between uh between clutch and and you know the Knicks and CAA, I guess is the implication there. That might have actually been Begley too. I think Begley and Bonnie both had something on that early last month. So yeah, I mean it's that maybe this is the thing that creates a uh a, a runway for that deal to happen. Um but also considering the Lakers are involved, maybe Paul just pushes to get Murray to the Lakers because that's where LeBron is. Unless, of course, LeBron is ready to leave L.A. after the season, in which case, who knows? Because there's certainly been some smoke about that lately, too. But anyway, no matter what happens this week, we'll have you covered on Locked on Knicks. So, again, make sure you hit that auto-download function on your favorite pod app. Make sure you hit the notification bell on YouTube so you know if we, especially if we go live or something, you won't miss it. Uh, but there's definitely going to be some extra content this week, uh, plus some games coming up as well. Lots of good stuff on the docket for this week. Maybe we'll try to sneak in one more crossover with one of our other locked on hosts as well and you know get the skinny on one of these guys that the Knicks are going after. Maybe David Locke. Maybe we can uh, shove how great New York is in his face uh, for <laughs> a little bit. So we'll see how that goes. But uh, we'll have you covered no matter what. But until next time, thank you all for listening, and I'll talk to you soon. See you later,